Today, we focus on the word promise. And the first thing we look at is God's promise. And it's a twofold promise, and then we'll look at our twofold promise back to him. But let's start with his promise. And we go all the way back to the Old Testament, of course, in Jeremiah chapter 33, 14 and following. Jeremiah chapter 33, 14 and following. It's in the Old Testament. I have my Bible, so I don't, can't give you a page number. You should know it by now. Anyway, Jeremiah 33, 14 and following. The days are coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and Judah. In those days, in that time, I will raise up for David a just shoot. He will do what is right and just in the land. And of course, this is the promise of the first coming. Now, Advent, of course, always celebrates two comings. The first coming of Christ when he was born as a baby, but as we see in the gospel today, it produces the second coming. The first coming was a promise and it was fulfilled. And if God is a, gives a promise, God is not a liar. He always fulfills his promise. And we've seen that. God is faithful to his promise. Now we have to wait for the second promise and for that we go to the gospel. The gospel is in Luke chapter 21. And here, again, in verse 25, chapter 21 of Luke, verse 25 and following, we skip 29 to 33, but it says, There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars. On the earth nations will be in anguish, distraught in the roaring of the sea and the waves. Man will die of fright in anticipation. So the second coming of Christ, Jesus is talking about, I'm going to come again. And when I come, he's not going to be this gentle, humble little baby that, you know, everybody could do anything they want with. This time, the earth and heavens will shake. And as the earth and heavens will shake, some people, when he comes again, it will all see the same face of Christ. Some people, when they see the face of Jesus, are going to say, no, 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 and run. Some people, when they see the face of Jesus, will stand erect and say, welcome, Lord. Where are we? You know, he says these are going to happen. People are going to die of fright. And then he says in verse 34, be on your guard lest your spirits become bloated with indulgence and drunkenness and worldly cares. For this great day will come suddenly and close in on you like a trap. If Christ was to come today, this very moment, and again, we pray this every day when we say the Our Father. Today when you pray the Our Father, you say thy kingdom come, which you're saying your kingdom come, you're praying for the second coming of Christ. And then too, we say it every week, and a lot of people just don't get it, I think. You know, we are we, these people are cultural Catholics. More and more and more and more and more, I'm convinced, a lot of Catholics are just cultural Catholics. That means, what are you? What religion are you? I'm a Catholic. Does it make any difference in your life? Why, well, so I'm a Catholic. I go to church, you know, I do Catholic things. Well, that doesn't make you a Catholic. A Catholic is one who is fully in relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives for him, who anticipates his coming, who works and lives for his lordship every day in their life, and who is one with his body, the church. That's a Catholic. It's not being born a Catholic, going through the motions of being a Catholic. It's living as one who is in relationship with Jesus and relationship with his body. 
That's a big difference between Catholics and other denominations. We relate with one another. There's no lone rangers, me and Jesus. It's me, Jesus, and each of us. That's what communion is today. Communion with God, yes, but communion with one another. Huh? So what we believe is the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come again. We say it every week in the creed. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. Huh? You'll say it today. You'll say when I say, do you believe that? You're going to say, I do believe. Huh? You're going to say, I believe it. Well, do we believe in this promise and do we know in our hearts and do we pray for an expectation his coming? You know, I wish he'd come today. Are you excited if he was to come today? It'd be the end of sin, the end of pain, the end of suffering, the end of death, the end of judgment, the end of all the garbage in life and the beginning of heaven, the beginning of loving one another, the beginning of joy, the beginning of peace, the beginning of hope in a more fuller way than we experience now. But we pray for the second coming of Christ. I know that sounds to some of you like, you know, I'm this off-the-wall fundamentalist. That isn't, this is the teaching of the Catholic faith. That's what we believe. Do we anticipate that, huh? But the thing of it is, is each person, it'll be the same face of Jesus like I said. Some people will be afraid and run, and some people as it says in the gospel today, we'll stand erect and say, welcome, Lord. Where are you if Jesus was to come today? And a good way we do that is how have we been living our life? And we have to look at two things when we do this. Now, this has to be our promise to him. Today is a new year. You know, a lot of the secular world waits till December 31st to make New Year's resolutions. We should be making our New Year's resolutions today because today begins the New Year spiritually. So what, before we leave this church today, what resolution or what promise will we make to Christ? And they need to do with two things. They need to do with our conduct towards God, and that'll be in our prayer, and our conduct with one another. Now, if you look at, uh, at the uh, book of uh, Thessalonians today, which we dealt with in the second reading, Second, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, and then it goes down to chapter 4. Uh, let's go to chapter 4, verse 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. Now, my brothers, we beg and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that even as you learn from us how to conduct yourselves in a way pleasing to God. And that's what has to happen. If Jesus was to come right now, and of course the second coming isn't just at the end of the world, the second coming is when? When you take your last breath, could be today, could be tomorrow, could be 50 years from now, it doesn't matter. Whenever you take your last breath and I take my last breath, that's the second coming of Christ for us. Not for the world, but for us. And so he says, learn to conduct yourself in a way that is pleasing to God. So I've got to look at my conduct. Is the way I conduct my life today, is it pleasing to God? And then he says, which you are indeed doing, he's talking to Thess the people of Thessalonica, so you must learn to make still greater progress. And I would say the same to us, that we are pleasing to God. We're here, we want to do his will, we come to a church where it takes a little bit longer on Sunday, we're not trying to run in and run out. We are wanting to do it, but he says, 
And I say to you today, you still must make greater progress. And then he says, you know the instructions we gave you in the Lord Jesus. Now this is not in the reading today, but it's in here because they, the church stopped it there, but let's go on. Because he says what he wants. Verse 3, it is God's will that you grow in holiness, that you abstain from immorality, each of you guarding his member in sanctity and honor, not in passionate desire as do the Gentiles who do not know God, that you each refrain from overreaching or cheating his brother in the matter at hand. For the Lord is the avenger of all such things, as you once indicated to you by our testimony. God has not called you to immorality, but to holiness. Hence, whoever rejects these instructions rejects not man, or not Father Larry, or not St. Paul, but God, who sends the Holy Spirit upon you. So what is God calling you to in this new church here? How is he wanting you to grow in greater progress? It's God's will for you and me to be holy. That's his will. That's his desire. So you and I can sit there and first look back at this past year, last year beginning of Advent, and where I am today. Can I say I'm holier now this past year? Can I give concrete examples? I am holier this. I used to be a big gossip. I don't gossip nearly as much as I used to. I used to never pray. Now I pray every day for five or ten minutes. I used to sit there and uh, I used to sit there and uh, pay no attention to Father Larry, but now I pay attention every once in a while, maybe I only walk out every 10 seconds instead of every five. You know, And what do I do in my life that's different? And how am I going to promise God? He's promised me He's going to come again and He will judge me. He's promised me that He has redeemed me already, but what is my promise now to God for the new year? I like to conduct two things, as I said. First, you would increase, and I would increase our prayer life. If you're already doing it 15 minutes, we'll add another five. That this year we continue to grow in holiness. Or you pray in the morning for 10, then pray in the evening for 10. Put another time. Let's look at how we can do our prayer. Let's spend more time maybe with the Word of God. Spend more time in the Scriptures to really let our lives be influenced by God's Word and not just talk about it. So that would be the one thing. We sit there and spend time in prayer. We could sit there and spend more time with the Word of God in the Scriptures in the morning, at night. You might want to start a prayer journal. I mean, I'm telling you, I've had a prayer journal for many years. And if you sit there and watch the way you grow in your relationship, get up, go ahead and buy, a, buy something today that you can start writing down, a diary, and start writing your journal with Christ. You can do it something as simple as writing Dear Jesus and go through him every night and give him a letter. Or let him write to you sometimes. Phenomenal thing, huh? So we could do something like that. We could start to go to daily Mass. If you haven't been going to daily Mass, to say, I want this to be part of my life. There's plenty of daily Masses around in the area. To pick one, choose it, say, I want to do this. I want to go to daily Mass. To sit there and do something for instance, there were, I'm going to do something when it comes to my prayer that I'll start saying a rosary every day. Maybe that would be the thing that's going to draw me closer to God this year. Maybe it would be waking up at 6 o'clock and joining Father Larry Monday through Friday at 6 o'clock down at St. Luke's. Father, that's awful early. I know God wants you to die and be holy. Isn't that great? To sit there and start praying every morning with your pastor at 6 o'clock. We're down to like about three of us, sir. Huh? 
maybe two of us. We're getting smaller and smaller and smaller, but we're still there, 6 o'clock in the morning at St. Luke's. We say the rosary, and after that we do the, uh, the breviary. We're done at 6.30. Some people leave. Some people stay. For the silence, we have Mass at 7 o'clock. Boy, that would be a great way to grow in holiness. So how are you going to grow in your relationship with God? And make a promise to God today, God, I will do this. Second thing, how am I going to grow in conduct in the way I treat other people? Well, look at the way we are. You know, and again, we got to know our core sin and to know it the way we deal with other people. Maybe you'll spend time more with your family. Maybe you're going to turn off the TV an hour a night. Oh, my gosh, an hour? Yeah, an hour. And maybe you're going to start games with your family where you'll sit there and start playing games unless you're one of those families, of course, that fight when you play games, you know. Man, that wouldn't be a good idea. But you take an hour and you decide that you're going to spend time maybe once a week with the family. You're going to have family time. You're going to have a family dinner. That this is going to be it. You're going to, if you're a parent, you can sit there and say that I will say one nice thing to my children every day. Please say that. That I will make every day for the rest of my life as a parent, I will do and say one nice affirming thing to my child. Or if you're a child, you'll look at your parents and you'll say something nice to them. They'll have heart attacks. I'll have funerals all the time. You sit there and like, oh, say something nice to them. Affirm your parents. Or if you're not that way, because, you know, I'm just a high school kid, father, and I don't do that stuff. Well, do something nice. Take out the garbage without being asked. I'm going to do one unselfish act with my family for my family a week. How I do with my family. Another great thing to do with your family is to learn to pray together to say prayers with one another as a family. It doesn't have to be long. You know, the, you know uh, Father Peyton years ago talked about the family that prays together stays together. That's very true. Say the rosary with each other. Father, that's 20 minutes. Okay, then do scripture readings with one another. Father, that takes time. Well, then spend just time holding hands and saying an Our Father before everybody goes to bed. You can do it. Do something in your family life, your conduct in your family life, how you as a family can grow in holiness. Something with your work life. You know, what are you going to do at work? You could share the gospel, at least start praying for people in work. Start a list of people you want to pray for that need to be saved at work. Make a list of them. Start praying for them intently every day. Maybe take someone out to lunch, someone you don't know, someone you don't like at work, and say, how about two of us go to lunch? You don't have to share the gospel with them and say, hey, come to Jesus, here's my Bible. Ooh. But love them into the faith. You know, sometimes people don't become Christians because they see the way Christians act. And they don't want any part of them because they're gossips, they're judgmental. You want people to become Christians, love them. Lavishly, like God loved us, he gave up his life. They won't become Christians sometimes until you give up your life for them. Just like we didn't become Christians until Christ gave up his life for us. It might cost you your life at work this year. Do it every day. Make a commitment. I will do this for the Lord. So there's things that we can do with how we work with our families, how I'm going to conduct my own life, stopping gossip. What are my core sins? And let's this year, before we leave here, make a promise to God. God, I will change, and I will do this, and this, this, and this. So before you walk out that door today, you better have at least one or two promises you're going to make to God. Because he's promised you his life, and he's given it.
He's promised that he will come before you again on judgment. When he comes before you on judgment day, will you run away in fear and terror? Will you stand erect? Welcome, Lord, I've been waiting for you. I haven't been perfect, but I sure have tried. May each of you know his love today and forever. Amen.